Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's 9.30 in 716. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski outside looking at clear skies right now. Big moon out there. Uh, 36 degrees in Buffalo. The oil-producing nations of OPEC on Sunday announced they had decided not to change production targets. Member countries held a virtual meeting over the weekend after the group of seven nations announced they would cap the price of Russian oil at $60 a barrel. Gas Buddy head of petroleum analysis Patrick DeHaan said the decision will probably mean prices at the pump will keep falling. The national average could be on course to fall under $3 a gallon by Christmas. That would represent a possible downside of 36 cents a gallon from where prices are today. Gas prices on the way down in western New York, about 367 on average as opposed to 377 a month ago. But will the ultra-high price make a comeback? Here's WBEN's Brayton Wilson. Since June 1st, drivers across Erie County have been able to enjoy a pair of gas tax holidays, allowing residents to save some extra money while at the pumps. The Erie County gas tax break allowed drivers to save some 11 cents while at the pump, while the state gas tax suspension saved drivers some 16 cents. However, both gas tax holidays are set to expire in the coming weeks with the state suspension set to end on January 1st of 2023 and the county gas tax break ending on March 1st of 2023. But could we see an extension of either or both gas tax holidays before they're set to expire? At the local level, Erie County legislators feel the gas tax holiday has had a positive effect for drivers across the region, which is driving for an extension of the suspension. I think any time that we can you know, help regular, ordinary people pay less for their staples, uh, it's an important thing that we should be looking to do. I know when we put the gas tax cap in effect, it was only until the end of February, and the Minority Caucus had said, and I believe they should continue, that they're going to push to make that a permanent tax cap. That was Legislature Minority Leader Joe Larigo. While Larigo will only serve as the Legislature Minority Leader until the end of the month, he says he would love to see a permanent implementation of the county gas tax holiday, with it possibly being a resolution he may look to put in for the last legislative session of 2022. As for the state gas tax holiday, while it may have saved New Yorkers an estimated 16 cents per gallon, political analyst Jack O'Donnell believes the break may not have been as effective as first intended, which may be a reason why it will not be extended come January 1st. I think that we've seen some reports that not all of the savings have been passed on to taxpayers. Um, there's been a small benefit, and I think every driver will agree every little bit helps. But I think everybody's still feeling the heat. More on the future of both gas tax holidays for Erie County residents is available for you online.
Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Brayton, thank you. Well, as student loan forgiveness heads to the Supreme Court with an uncertain future, how should borrowers prepare? Here's WBEN's Tom Puckett. The issue for the Supreme Court says Kinesis College's Bob Klump is which branch of government can forgive student debt? The basic question before the court is whether the president had the authority to announce this program, which, you know, many, including, of course, especially those who have challenged the program um, in two courts that have now invalidated it in one of which uh, the Supreme Court has agreed to hear. Klump says opponents believe that should have gone through Congress. As that debate rages on, Jeff Boron of Send Your Kids to College says those with more than 10000 in student loan debt should keep paying it down. Make those payments as long as you are able to because you're paying down principal at a very rapid rate now that we're not accruing interest. So that will bring your total debt load down uh, you can also refinance later at a lower rate. What about those with less than $10,000 in student loan debt? Hear Boron's advice online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. All right, Tom, thank you. Uh, one of the topics I'm sure we'll be talking about with Jill Schlesinger once she joins us at 6.50 this morning. 5.06 now on WBEN. The Bills weren't playing yesterday, but they still had a pretty nice Sunday. Burrow wants to throw. Short Bay, pass. Caught at the five. Boom. Chris Evans into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. Here's Purdy out of the gun looking for McCaffrey on the goal line. Touchdown, San Francisco. Wins by San Francisco over Miami. Cincinnati over Kansas City. Paired with the Bills win from Thursday means Buffalo jumps to the top seed in the AFC, now controlling their own destiny in that spot. Still have a game against Miami, a game against Cincinnati to go. The Bills play the Jets, though, next week. The Jets lost to Minnesota yesterday, Sunday afternoon, back in Orchard Park. How about that? What a beautiful day that was. Pretty nice. Uh, no stress for a lot of Bills fans. Not you could at completely all. ignore it, or you could uh, kind of enjoy Two games going on at once a little right. bit later on in the afternoon, and both of them going the Bills' way. It was uh, really nice to see. It is great. And it's our Raylax Honda web poll at WBEN.com this morning. The Bills sitting atop the AFC makes you feel confident, good for now, or oddly nervous. So far this morning over at WBEN.com, 21% say confident, 42% say good for now, and 38% say they're feels oddly nervous at think, this point. I think I'm at good for now, and then you know yeah. we'll, we'll reassess around right. 4 o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, and five games left, right? Yeah, the, the season flying by. It really is now. Really kind of going by in a blur. Uh, Sabres getting back in the wind column yesterday. Trying to skate it out. Dylan Cousins, he's got himself a lane. Coming down the right side. Pass across. Scores! Dylan Cousins right down Mean Street. Jack Quinn buries it. The Sabres extend their lead. Buffalo wins 6-3 over San Jose. They're back in action Wednesday when they take on Columbus. And congratulations this morning to the Bennett Tigers. Bennett High School, they are Class AA state champions after winning in the Dome yesterday in Syracuse over Newburgh. We'll have more on that coming up this morning. Very cool. Uh, legal action following the messy pre-sale of Taylor Swift's concert tickets. Bad blood is boiling over into a lawsuit. Baby love, I think I've been a little too kind. 
26 Swifties suing Ticketmaster and its parent company, Live Nation, alleging fraud and price fixing, claiming the presale snafu for Swift's upcoming Eras Tour is just one example of the tight grip Ticketmaster has on the industry. The lawsuit alleging the company charges excessive service fees, far higher than any similar service in other markets. It says Ticketmaster is a monopoly that is only interested in taking every dollar it can from a captive public. Well, in a recent statement, Live Nation and Ticketmaster saying they do not set or control ticket prices. But, you know, it's one thing to make uh, Bruce Springsteen fans mad or Blink-182 fans mad. But then when you go after Taylor Swift fans... It's like you're going after a little mini army. Yeah, it's a different animal. <laughs> and they're uh, coming after you in some illegal action. I think a lot of people are going to be watching this pretty closely I to see think, what happens. I think so. I, I think they might have, a, I don't know, a better chance than than others. Pretty interesting yeah. to uh, watch it unfold. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Mostly sunny skies this morning. Mostly cloudy skies this afternoon with temperatures in the mid to upper 40s. For tonight, mostly cloudy. Some scattered rain and snow showers. Overnight lows in the mid 30s. On Tuesday, cloudy skies. A little drizzle with temperatures in the 40s. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Kowski. Canisius College professor Bob Klump is joining us this morning. He's director of the Reichley Pre-Law Center at Canisius. Uh, we're in student loan debt forgiveness limbo, Bob. We know that the Supreme Court's going to hear this case, but what exactly are the justices going to decide? What are they looking at? Well, the justices uh, um, are considering a decision that preliminarily enjoined the uh, the student loan debt cancellation that was issued by the president or technically by the uh, by the secretary of education and what the supreme court was presented with was an application to vacate the injunction that had been issued against the program by a federal appeals court the eighth circuit court of appeals which had enjoined the program and the administration uh, sought to have the Supreme Court uh, vacate or set aside the injunction that had been issued by the Eighth Circuit against the student loan cancellation program. And uh, what the Supreme Court did, which the Supreme Court rarely does, is it construed the administration's application to vacate the injunction. It treated it as a petition for certiorari and granted the petition. Now, a cert petition, of course, is the normal way that the Supreme Court ordinarily takes a case on appeal. Four out of nine justices grant a writ of certiorari. But in extraordinary circumstances, what can happen is that the Supreme Court will allow the parties to skip uh, a final decision by a federal appeals court or the highest court of a state and will take the case directly. The Supreme Court has done that rarely, uh, going back to the steel seizure case when President Truman seized the nation's steel mills in, in 1952. Um, and in the Watergate tapes case, in both of those cases, the Supreme Court agreed to let the parties skip the federal appeals court and take the case immediately. The Supreme Court does that when a case is of tremendous or transcendent national importance. So obviously the court feels that the challenge to the student loan cancellation program fits into that category. So what the court did was it treated the application to vacate as a petition for cert, and it said that the case would be set down for argument before the Supreme Court in February 2023. 
the two issues that the court said it would consider would be whether the states, Missouri and other states who had challenged the legality, the, the constitutionality of the student loan cancellation program, whether the states had standing to challenge the program, because that was a big issue uh, before, before the lower courts, whether they had standing. Now, in order to get a case into court, the party challenging, in this case, the loan cancellation program would have to show that they had suffered or were about to suffer some injury as a result of the program. And there was great controversy as to whether or not the states had standing. The Eighth Circuit said that they did have standing. So the Supreme Court said, first, the issue that we're gonna, first issue we're going to consider is whether the states have standing. Secondly, assuming the states have standing, and this is the critical issue, whether the plan exceeds the Secretary of Education's authority under, uh, under the, um, uh, the um, federal statute that allows for loan forgiveness, or I'm sorry, that allows for the Department of Education um, to make modifications to loan obligations, or whether the decision by the president and the administration is arbitrary and capricious and lacks any statutory or constitutional basis. It seems as if this is all going toward this program not happening. Is that how you're reading uh, some of these tea leaves? Uh, I would say, you know, if I had to bet on it, I would say that given the Supreme Court's history, in which the court has set aside a number of measures that have been taken by the president unilaterally. Uh, for instance, about a year and a half ago, of course, the court set aside the administration's attempt to require large employers to, uh, to uh, impose a vaccine mandate on their employees. And in that case, and in a case involving the Environmental Protection Agency this past term in June of 2022, in both of those instances, the Supreme Court um, invalidated uh, similar unilateral things that had been done by the president under something called the major questions doctrine. Now, I don't want to get uh, too far into the weeds on this, but basically what the Supreme Court said in those cases is that when an agency, okay, in this case the Department of Education, seeks to resolve a major question, one that affects potentially millions of people, or in this case, hundreds of billions of dollars, which is what the, uh, the loan uh, forgiveness uh, would amount to o- over a period of several decades. When an agency seeks to resolve a major question like that, it can't rely on simply a plausible or an uncertain basis in the text of legislation for its action. Instead, the agency has to point to a clear congressional authorization for the power that it's claiming, in this case, the power to forgive student loans. And what um, a federal district judge in in another case in Texas, which invalidated the loan forgiveness program, said was that, you know, there is no clear statutory authority uh, in the the HEROES Act, the relevant statute here. Uh, There is no clear statutory authority for the Secretary of Education to to cancel loans up to a certain amount for individuals who qualify for loan forgiveness. Uh, Instead, uh, 
he pointed to the fact that several times Congress has considered legislation that would allow loan cancellation. And in each instance in recent years, that legislation hasn't passed. And the district judge in the separate Texas case said, well, that's an indication that the existing statute doesn't provide a basis for this kind of loan forgiveness. Instead, in effect, what the judge is saying, and I think what the, what the Eighth Circuit is saying, is if, um, if Congress wants to adopt loan forgiveness, it can do so. But under our constitutional system, under the separation of powers, the president is to execute the law, not to make new laws uh, by, uh, you know, by using, referring to what President Obama famously said when he said, I've got a pen and a phone, right? And that's kind of the, the authority um, that the Biden administration is accused of, of exercising here. And the two courts, the federal district court in Texas, and the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals have said, um, no, you don't have that authority. Although in the case of the Eighth Circuit, their decision was very preliminary. Uh, they agreed to enjoin the program pending the resolution of the litigation. The resolution of the litigation is now going to come, obviously, before the Supreme Court. Bob, before we let you go, I also want to talk about another case before the Supreme Court that is getting a lot of headlines. It's uh, another case dealing with gay rights versus religious beliefs, or at least that's the way it's going to be pitted in the media, Bob. This case of a website designer not wanting to design a website for an LGBT wedding, it, it looks like, right, it's painted as religious rights versus gay rights, but really at the end of the day we're talking about free speech on both sides, right? Right. And I think unlike uh, prior cases that have gone before the court uh, having to do with First Amendment freedom of religion challenges to, uh, to mandates like this that, that would require a cake shop operator, for instance, in a prior case to the uh, Colorado case to, to make a cake that violates uh, his religious beliefs. Here, um, the way the issue has been presented to the court, you're right, is based on First Amendment uh, freedom of speech. And there are, of course, uh, significant arguments on both sides of that question. Uh, you know, for instance, the, the court uh, some years ago ruled uh, that the organizers of, of a parade in Boston, um, I think a, uh, it was a uh, St. Patrick's Day parade, could exclude gay-themed uh, floats from the parade because the parade organizers had the First Amendment right not to be forced to express uh, uh, to, to express or to endorse a view um, to which they objected. And I think that's going to be the critical issue before the court in this case. First Amendment freedom of speech, not so much uh, freedom of religion. Although, of course, the two are related, and both can be, uh, can be cited in objection to uh, a mandate uh, to, uh, you know, to a parade organizers or to someone who operates a, uh, a bake shop uh, or to someone who operates a printing shop uh, who's been asked to uh, print things to which he has uh, a First Amendment objection, whether that's based on religion or based on uh, freedom of thought, freedom of expression. Should we expect decisions in both of these cases, this one that you're just talking about and the student loan case, by June? Yes, uh, by the end of June. 
in fact, uh, in the student loan forgiveness case, the administration has anticipated that the Supreme Court's decision won't come down until the end of the Supreme Court's term, which is usually when controversial decisions come down. And therefore, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, reimposed uh, the freeze on, uh, on payments of the student loan and the accrual of further interest until the end of June anticipating that the court will resolve the case by the end of June if the court upholds the student loan forgiveness, which is possible. You know, one thing I want to emphasize here is that if the court were to determine that the states in the uh, Eighth Circuit case don't have standing, then uh, they would um, uh, dismiss the Supreme Court case and send it back to the Eighth Circuit. And the litigation there could go on for some time and go back up to the Supreme Court a year or two down the road. Well, hey, Bob, thanks so much for the expertise, as always. Bob Klump, director of the Reikley Pre-Law Center at Canisius College, joining us to talk about so the Supreme Court in focus again. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 